Welcome to the Geek Centric Podcast, and welcome back to our Watch Club for Marvel's Secret Invasion. I'm Nick Fury. Even when I'm out, I'm in. Welcome back to Watch Club. My name is Nate, and this is our Watch Club for Marvel's Secret Invasion, Episode 2, titled Promises, directed by Ali Salim. If you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and the MCU in general, so if you haven't watched this week's episode yet, be sure to do so, and then come right back in a snap. Now, just before we go any further, I also want to remind you listening that we've opened up our Discord here at Geekcentric, so you know we can talk about this show directly to you and with you, uh, so if you're listening to this Watch Club and you want to chime in with your theories, or maybe you just want to let us know if we got something wrong, you can do so by joining our Discord using the link in our description, and then jumping into the spoilers channel for this show. We also have spoiler channels for other movies and shows that have come out recently, uh, as well as you know just a, a, a ton of ways that you can interact with us and just talk to us directly, um, which we would love to do. We'd love to get to know you a little more. But before we get hung on a meat hook, let me introduce you to my fellow Skrull. Joining me today, beaming down once again, we have a Dylan, a Daphne, a certified doctor, and always a delightful young man. He's Darcy the Green-loving Hudson. Yep, that's me. I, I guess that's better. Yeah, Better, I, can't I, last, I can't remember what you called me last time, but I feel like it's this This is an improvement. <laughs> I'm going to see if I can improve it every single time that you're well, on. You call me a, a doctor, which I certainly am not, but I do like a doctor. So There you go. You know. so I was going for the who, you know, the yeah, who I figured that was, uh, that was the stretch there. Okay, Thank you sweet. for that. <laughs> um, you know, this, this week's episode uh, got me thinking about, uh, you know, who, who I'd want to turn into if I was really a skull. A skull. skull? (laughs) I hope I'm not a skull. I have a skull, (laughs) but a a scroll. Before we dive in, Darcy, um, who do you want to turn into? I don't know. I like like being me. Maybe I'd be, I turn into the mirror version of myself. So when I look in a mirror, I see how other people see me. So you just want, you just need a mirror (laughs) to do that. No, no, because then I'm seeing the inverted version of myself. I never see myself the way others do unless I'm looking at a picture. I want to see real time in person. And just what it would be like if it was left-handed, because I guess mirror me would be, you know, just I guess so. see things differently. I you know? saw somewhere on one of those, you know how you go on like an Instagram randomly going through all the videos. I saw one time there was someone that made a mirror. They invented a mirror that was inverted uh, that would let you see that. So um, maybe that's all you need. I think <laughs> for myself, um, I would want to turn into somebody who could advance my career as a podcaster, but but it would have to be someone like influential to the person that would advance my career. Right. And, and like, maybe, maybe I work it out that it's someone who's dead. Is that against the rules? Can scrolls turn into people who are dead? No, Is that I think okay? they just need an image. They just don't get the memories. Okay. If, I, if the I'm fine dead. with that. Cause like, honestly, all I want to do is, and you can help me with this Darcy, cause you're a scroll too. We can do like an inception thing on Bob Iger and just like, I'll be his grandfather telling him that Nate, Shelton needs to run Disney content creation or something like that. What do you think? Well, I'm pretty sure he would check himself into a like a hospital <laughs> or get checked out or something. No, we because... would we would accept it. We would make it feel like he'd think it's a dream. I don't how, know. How? I don't know how to do that. 
did did you learn hypnotism since we last spoke? No, spoke? but because... like it could be like I show up at his house randomly, and then it's his grandfather. He's not gonna freak out about that. He's gonna be like, yes, he would. His grandfather's probably long dead. I <laughs> oh, would freak no. out. Oh no! But you would trust. I think you would trust me. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> listen, before we before we leak the scroll secrets to the world about how we're gonna plot to take over Bob Iger's mind. Uh, let's get into this episode. So we kick off this week with a look back at 1995 and a bunch of footage from Captain Marvel showcasing a younger Nick Fury and highlighting his rocky uh, introduction to Talos, uh, their inevitable relationship, and the history we need to know about uh, in terms of the displaced scrolls coming to Earth. Then we pick up two years later in Brixton, London, Brixton, London, uh, as we see Nick Fury, sorry, as we see Nick Fury's promise to the Skrulls and his introduction to a now parentless young Gravik, who's clearly untrusting of Nick's ability to help the Skrulls find a new home. Then, as the camera closes in on the young Skrull, uh, Gravik, we cut back to the attack in Moscow, where uh, where Nick is being pulled away by a disguised Talos, and Gravik and Gaia calmly flee the scene. So, uh, quite. Quite the opener. Uh, we actually got to sort of see the promise, right? The moment that in part defines the motivations for this series' uh, villain. What did you think of this look back and Gravik's apprehension? Uh, I mean, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was really cool to see how they managed to sum up the last 30 years in a very meaningful way, where it mm -hmm. still impacts the story and gives meaning to, again, Gravik's actions. I, again, his apprehension is very understandable. He wants a home, and if, if they're promising to help Nick Fury, is that they can't really call it home because they're not being themselves, and they're not living in their true skin. Mm. So I can see that being, again, something that he's he's run from you know oppression already. Why would he want to come and, and let be told what he can look like again? I guess is what, or something. I don't know. No, I mean, understand I, why. <laughs> I think that makes sense too, and I think I think the other thing too in terms of of not just his apprehension in this scene, but even just maybe maybe his continued apprehension mm -hmm. in growing up. You know, you have to you have to remember this is a what we're seeing in this sequence is a pre Avengers Nick Fury, right? So you have to wonder maybe he struggled to keep his promise because he got too wrapped up in creating, you know, a super team or 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 his work with Shield, right? And the other thing that you kind of think about as well is like is this is this version of Nick maybe um utilizing the scroll it sounds awful but utilizing the scrolls in a way that's sort of like a you know you can stay here but you gotta you gotta pull your weight kind of thing do you know what i mean it, it's not a free home i mean i understand why they're incredibly useful and nick is i mean as you saw him put the avengers together he's all about using people to to defend the earth so right. I, get, I get why he was doing that um and I guess, again, those two years that we they kind of gloss over from the, uh, 95 to 97, you got to assume that Talos or his, and his family were with Carol going across the galaxy because they could hit probably a couple of planets or places in a day. So they probably right. went and searched a lot of places. So, you know, I can understand them getting tired of the chase, I guess, trying to find that one true home when there is somewhere they could, they could live comfortably for the time being with the intent to maybe, again, find that true home. Just take your time doing it. Mm -hmm. I also thought the the de aging uh, looked great in this in this sequence. Like uh, it, it's not like it didn't it didn't feel like a lot, but it was natural. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like I, I think we talk about de aging uh, a lot, especially you know since something like Rogue One and what have you, right? Or, or or like kind of the fake face on the 
on the body. It, it they've definitely gotten much much better with it. A hundred percent. And I think that might also come from the fact that they they learn not to do top down lighting because that usually is the mm. giveaway for these de- de- aging things. But the side lighting that they had there and the soft natural light that's backlighting these characters, I think really lends its hand to, you know, again, furthering that de-aging process. Yeah, and it was shot really, really well, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Even for a character uh, like Talos, I mean, you don't have to worry about the de-aging. Like, he didn't look younger there, but it's because that's just his scrawl. It's his human skin. Yeah. skin, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. that's not going to change. He can he can keep that as young or as old as he wants, I guess. Um, so, I mean, you know, he, look, he looks good for, for his age. Um, but I, I also uh, thought it was interesting, the line where Fury says he's a child. And uh, the, the scroll woman that he's talking to named Vara responds with only to humanize, right? Which continues the sort of the, the thing that um, I think Talos was saying last week, something about how they age differently, scrolls. Yeah, he's they... Talos is 136. So... Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but apparently like it, I think they might also mature much faster than humans as well. Um, which again, you know, you, you got to imagine like as a resource on both sides, um, that's, that is a benefit. Um, I think the, the, like, like Gravik saying, I'm not afraid is another sort of sense of that maturity but it's also a bit scary too at the same time because you're like this kid's ready to fight someone <laughs> like well especially after we're told that he ju- he escaped from behind enemy lines flying a ship on his own it's like that kid has determination to yeah. survive yeah so i don't think he, anything scares him anymore no he had the he had the the rocket uh origin story i guess <laughs> <laughs> similar um and i also love the way that they close up on young gravic to cut like that harsh cut to the older graphic uh, Gravik, just as Nick says, you keep your word and I'll keep mine. And then boom, you instantly re- see the result of, I guess, not a promise, but what seems to Gravik as a lie. I mean, again, with Nick Fury disappearing, I understand why Gravik would be so upset. And also, like you mentioned earlier, with the Avengers, I'm sure it seemed like he'd be you know, around the Skrull's life probably a lot less as he's trying to wrangle these superheroes into a team. So mm-hmm. maybe he's a bit hurt by that too, where he's like, I was, we were helping, we were working together. And then all of a sudden you were cast to the side because you found a shinier toy type thing. Mm, so interesting. I feel like that might also play into it. Oh yeah. Maybe. And there might be some other, okay. There might be some other stuff we're going to talk about later that also might play into that, that sort of, um, sort of mental uh, thought, if you will, um, <laughs> or, or way of thinking uh, is what just I was trying to say there. Mental thought is just a thought, by the way. <laughs> Listen, I've got, I'm getting zapped right now on a machine somewhere, okay? Um, I, I also will say just a little bit of advice from one scroll to another uh, to Gravik and Gaia. If you don't want to look suspicious, look more scared when you're walking through a bombing, okay? Like, there's literally bombs going off, and they're just like, casually walking out slowly i'm like they would be the first people i would suspect if i was to clock them yeah i mean i guess so i don't know that maybe like it's so just... calm about it i'm like there's people people are freaking, freaking out. out i don't think anyone's no looking one's... at anyone else they're yeah, just trying maybe. to run away from the explosions and, and fire you know I guess. just trying to survive <laughs> maybe they just know that humans are dumb um we then continue as two russian guards are looking for nick fury on a train but a beautiful lady 
A beautiful lady reminds them how ridiculous it'd be for a black American to be on a train from Moscow to Warsaw, uh, saying it, it would be like seeing like aliens or something like that. And I'm like, okay, Talos, like, relax. Um, <laughs> but, but we obviously see this beautiful lady is Talos. Uh, he gives the all clear to Fury, who sits down and begins to question Talos in a game he used to play when he was a kid taking trains with his mama to Detroit. Uh, the conversation gets heated when Fury learns that during his absence, Talos sent out a call and every scroll that isn't in Emperor Droger's uh, colony, <laughs> uh, they answered. They answered the call. Talos uh, lied to Fury and, you know, he could have gotten in touch with him, but he didn't want him to know. Fury is now furious. Uh, uh, and demands Talos leave the train. Darcy, what what did you think of the reveal that pretty much all the scrolls are on Earth? And can you can you tell me like who is Emperor Droger? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, the fact that all the scrolls are on Earth again shows how scary this can be because it went from being a handful of refugees to being a million and counting. Who knows? Yeah, I, I think that maybe more than. Just those refugees, including everyone in, in, in Emperor George's colony, also got that message, and mm. I'll get into that later. Could they have uh, had? Could they have been popping out baby scrolls all this time? I mean, probably. Right? Who right? knows? I don't. Yeah. I. That's all I was thinking about. I was just thinking about the <laughs> that's threat what I was of thinking about. <laughs> these. Okay. Anyways, um, Emperor George though, kind of seems like a, a almost a mashup of two characters from the comics. Okay. I mean, my scroll, my scroller is a bit rusty, but mm. I do know that. The long-running emperor of the Skrulls is Emperor Doric, I believe. Okay. Doric the Eighth or whatever, and he was the one who in, uh, implemented the Super Skrull pro program oh. at some point and kind of uh, forced its creation so that they could one-up the, the Fantastic Four way back when. But in recent times, there's been a, uh, a scientist, and his name is just Droj. Okay. So it's almost like they're leaning towards like a combination where this guy isn't maybe so warmongering as he is just science based trying to make his creation stronger or his race stronger and ruling that way Interesting. i don't know it's uh, again the fact that the the uh, director did not read or did not read secret invasion like there's nothing like that involved i feel like maybe there isn't going to be a connection everywhere we're looking and they're just you know making up characters to fill that void right well and i mean i think you've talked about in the past how you often really love that they do stray away from the source material mm -hmm. at certain times and 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 I know sometimes that can be a point of contention for fans where they're like, oh, it's so different than what I wanted um, compared to what I've read. But I think, you know, I, I like that idea. I like the idea if they're combining maybe this character who, let's be realistic, might not actually show up on this show. Um, but just the fact that they, they sort of name dropped or referenced a character like a scroll like that that could come into at some point in the future. Because again, like that's that's telling us that Okay, not every scrawl in the universe is on on Terra. I guess. Mm -hmm. I guess. Mm -hmm. um, I you know I think there's 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 the scrolls that Talos knows of. I also wonder if there's some uh, you know Guardians of the Galaxy three we saw nowhere is now like a refugee camp. So maybe there's some there, right? I would I would think that they could be there. Um, maybe again yeah. this that refugee camp happened thirty years after we were introduced to the refugee scrolls. So. If they're willing to wait that long, maybe they're on nowhere, or if they've found a way off Earth, they've gone right. back, gone there, or, or something like that, maybe. Um, and I, I also wanted to just say, like, blonde ladies, dude, they're just so convincing. Like, it worked in the Matrix, 
and I guess it works here too. And it's I think it's <laughs> it's funny that Talos would pick like that combination of of qualities to attract the guard. Like I wonder how long on Earth Talos like how long did it take for Talos to sort of recognize what humans would be attracted to? You know what I mean? Maybe you watch The Matrix. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I mean, when you think about, you know, a whole race of shape-shifting aliens, mm-hmm. you got to be pretty good at reading faces. And when you come to Earth and you can't, no one can change their shape or anything like that, I feel like you can pick up on facial readings pretty quickly. And maybe that's something that's he's used to his ability. Because, again, he is a flawless impersonator. And anytime he takes the role of something, he, you buy it. You don't even know what's him until the big reveal at the end type thing. Absolutely. Well, and I mean, even I, I, that even adds to sort of like, some of the sad parallels and realities that we're getting from this series is sort of a, a mirror on our own, uh, our own world of like, yeah, like even Talos would, would sort of know to, to pick that specific sort of, uh, ideal version of, of beauty in a way for some people, I guess, right. Where, where it's kind of like, you know, he's, he's seen magazines before and instantly as, as an alien species, he's able to sort of recognize, you know, okay, and, and even seeing celebrities, right? It's like, oh, the prettier people are here on the status chain and the not-as-pretty people are maybe here, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe. maybe. I don't know. Never, I didn't think that much into it. I was just, you know, consumed by what happens next. <laughs> well, let's, let's, let's also talk about that. I, I also want to mention, um, you know, uh, Samuel L. Jackson having a line of talking about old man Jackson's barn. Uh, I was like, nice little... <laughs> reference like I could almost imagine that that wasn't even maybe written but he just sort of came up with old man Jackson's barn um and I thought it was a really like there's there the line that I thought was probably the the part that hit the most for for myself and I think for a lot of people it was so it was so poignant and and one of the more important lines in this episode where Nick says there's not enough room or tolerance on this planet for another species which just shows like Nick's experiences his own experiences with racism and showing how pessimistic he is against the idea that humans would just accept you know even more difference in this world and you you can't blame him it's just again it's another sort of terrible truth that this show is is putting a mirror up and and sort of highlighting of our real world mm-hmm, 100% i mean a lot of i feel like this whole show is kind of going to be a, another commentary on that much like uh, falcon and winter soldier was mm-hmm. they're not afraid to discuss these through a lens that is you're able to kind of step outside what's going on with us and then like look at look at a bigger picture from from a new perspective obviously and it's i think it's really cool that marvel's doing that with their shows now because i mean again that's what the comic books were always meant to do uh-huh. right they were meant yep. to bring up these these topics and and find ways to embed them in sort of the the pop culture of it all so that we would talk about and it pay attention and yeah and do exactly what we're doing now yeah um and yeah, just such an incredible exchange between Nick and Talos here. Samuel L. Jackson, Ben Men- Mendelsohn are just excellent in this scene. Uh, but then we get back to London where we witness the funeral service for Maria Hill, where we see her mom, Elizabeth, mourning uh, the loss of her daughter. She approaches Fury, who watches from a nearby field, and he admits to her that she died because the enemy wanted to hurt him. So they hurt her. She asks him to make sure that her daughter didn't die in vain so just really quickly maria hill dead dead she's dead a hundred percent yeah you don't think there's no way what was the thing you were telling me about i don't don't know if it was in a last watch club or off air but the um from agents of shield robot body thing oh life model decoy actually that was someone from our discord okay oh well thank you someone from our discord i can't remember who it was 
but uh, it was yeah, life model decoys are like these robots they they created to uh, basically act as duplicates for you know important people like Nick Fury, Murray Hills, Dum Dum Duggan. He was you know the most famous one or long lived LMD if you will, but it's these uh, robots that can fully represent and replicate these important people. So it, I mean it could be one of those, but I don't know, or we might see her come back like Coulson did, which, I mean, I didn't really appreciate, kind of take away the, the meaning of his death, and I feel like the same thing would happen with Maria Hill. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know. She, Interesting. I think she's dead. I mean, yeah, so sorry, it was Mr. Mitch George that brought up the LMD and uh, Jake Squats for Cake as well. Shout out to, to them for, for bringing up this conversation uh, in our spoiler-filled spoiler uh, channel on the Discord, which you can do as well, again. Definitely sign up into the Discord. Um, yeah, she's dead. Okay. Um, unfortunately. And I love her. I love her so much. It hurts so much to say that. But, uh, I, I, yeah, I think I, I think it would... It, I don't think it would work as well if she wasn't. But I will say this. bit of early secrets, early theories here. I think we do see more Maria Hill in this series. Um, on the red, one of the red carpet interviews, uh, Kobe Smulders did say we do dive into a bit of Maria Hill's backstory. So if that was just her saying we see her mom, fine. But hopefully it means we get a, maybe a little more through flashbacks or something. I don't know. That'd be cool. I don't hopefully. Know. Um, then we see news updates on Martin Wallace, who's being held in custody as a leading member of the online fringe group known as the AAR, Americans Against Russia. We see responses from UK Prime Minister Pamela Lawton, NATO Secretary General Sergio Caspani, and lead FXN news anchor Chris Stearns. Uh, and following that sequence, we see Gravik attending a meeting with the Skrull Council, who, uh, who is comprised of those very people. In the meeting, the Council is visibly upset with the attack on Moscow, resulting in over 2,000 civilians dead. Uh, he reminds them that Fury abandoned them, and the humans cast them aside. He, he, promised them, he promises them uh, that Earth will be their home because he'll take it. He tells them to put their faith in him and their loyalty will be repaid. Pamela suggests that they make Gravik their new commander. Uh, and even though two of the council members object, it doesn't matter. He forces his way into that position and the others submit, except for one uh, who immediately informs Talos. Uh, good old Sharon, uh, who I think I think that's what they said her name was. Um, so. What do you think of Gravik now as the leader, uh, the, the leading force of the Skrulls? And why do you think he's so confident that under his rule, they can take Earth? Again, I feel like this is coming back to that Emperor Droge line. I feel like, again, the message got out to more than just the refugees or the people who are fleeing that his colony also heard. And I feel like maybe, you know, maybe Gravik turned to him once Nick Fury abandoned him and now they're mm, kind of working together ooh. to take Earth. I like That's that. kind of where I'm thinking, especially with what comes again later in the episode. Another thing that kind of feeds my idea that this, this that throwaway line it might have more importance than we think. Interesting, interesting. Okay, I like that. I mean, we'll definitely get to the 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 super reason uh, as to why he's so confident later. But <laughs> but I also think that the council was. I think this council was just a small sample of who they actually have in positions of power around the world, and I feel like I really do feel this continuing off of last week, but. I really do feel like President Ritson is a Skrull or he he's almost being replaced by a Skrull. Like maybe he isn't one right now in this in this very moment in this episode. But there's a plan in place to take the White House and to start the war. 
uh, and then you know Gravik and his people maybe they like as part of their plan I don't think this will all actually happen because I don't think Gravik ends up winning but I think I hope not maybe um, but I, I think <laughs> you know one of the things that I was kind of thinking about was like well if there is a war and and uh, US and Russia go at it with nukes and all this stuff there's scrolls all the, they're all on earth so they'll need a way to get off of earth temporarily and my thought my first thought on that was well he didn't kill Nick maybe he's trying to get access to Saber right maybe he's trying to get access to that space station because he knows there's scrolls already on that space station uh and and maybe he's even working with one of the scrolls from that space station i don't know i don't know i mean one of my favorite parts with the civil council is the fact that er, like during uh talos and um nick fury's you know little back and forth in the train there nick fury drops their reptilian ass mind and now we have this council of green-skinned lizard people for lack of a better term running the seat behind the scenes i feel like this is another fun little commentary on you know what people might believe out there with the conspiracy theorists thinking a small group runs the world. And oh, absolutely. Was, in this show, it, it, that's true. It's just their scrolls. <laughs> yes. And again, it's just another way that Marvel does such a good job of, uh, and these writers do such a good job of, of, of both showing us a mirror to our own reality and then finding ways to infuse sort of these epic stories, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also want to mention that this scene finally gives us canon confirmation that the Avengers are disbanded, um, which it's odd that it took this long to finally get an in-universe character to like reference that the Avengers are no more. Um, mm-hmm. So that was interesting. Uh, and also Kingsley's performance when he says war and slams his fist on the table was so good. Um, he does this really interesting thing. And I think I only noticed it in this scene. And I, I want to see in the future if he continues to, but, and maybe this is just Kingsley Benadir, but his, he does this thing where he kind of looks like he's chewing on a toothpick, but there's no toothpick. I don't know if you noticed this, but it might have been a performance choice or it might have just been like a, a tick or something he does. Um, but for some reason, in my mind, I was like, I was like, oh, man, like Gravik doesn't even like he's in a human body. He doesn't realize he's in it or no, he knows he's in his human body, but he doesn't like being in his human body. So maybe like he has this sort of like tick of just being like uncomfortable in his own skin. And again, that could just be me like <laughs> taking something that that Kingsley Benadir is not doing consciously and, and making it into a thing. But I, I I saw it as like something that just was like it's like, whoa, what is he what is he doing with his mouth this entire time? I, mean, I thought he was just, you know, biting his lip and clenching his jaw yeah. because he's angry. That's, that could have been it know, too. All I got from that could have been it too. Maybe I'm looking too far. Listen, with this show, we have to look into every possibility. Okay, even invisible toothpicks. Uh, but back at the compound, Gravik is celebrated. Uh, we see Gaia sneaking around the lab while Pagan informs Dr. Dalton that he was unsuccessful in collecting the harvest. Now, I'm going to mix up the order of the episode just a bit, Darcy, so that we can get sort of to the next moment because it's the moment that we just really want to talk about. Um, but before we do and before we discuss what they're harvesting and what they're working on, why do you think Gravik was celebrated here? I mean, the the compound should I don't think knows about the attack on Moscow. Is this just them celebrating him becoming like the new leader of the Skrulls? Yeah, I think that's all it is. That's that's all. I mean, again, unless they all do know about, you know, Gravik's plans and they're all OK with it. But the way that the first episode portrays him, it seems like there are a lot of people who are kept in the dark about what's going on and mm. what his grand plan is. So yeah, I, I feel like it was maybe just the fact that he is now just leader of the council and they see this as like, oh, our Messiah will now, you know, save all of us type thing. Interesting. And I also noticed that a lot of the scrolls 
like a lot some of them some of them were in their scroll form but a lot of them are in like a human form why won't why wouldn't they just be comfortable in their own skin if they just were in private well i mean in the first episode it's gaia it literally explains why we see that oh apparently the warriors uh stay in their shells because the longer they're attached to the shells the less or the more likely it is they're going detected by humans and scrolls alike so, so it's like the they're practicing in a sense. Not so much that. It's just the oh. connection because, again, it's like changing their DNA. And the longer they stay in that form, I guess, the more their DNA becomes to resemble oh. what they're mimicking or something like that. Interesting. Because it is a molecular shift, not so much just a – like their whole body is changing, basically. Oh, wow. Okay. It's not just on the outside. So, like, that way, if they do go through some sort of DNA scan, it's still – Yes. Because, again, I think we see this in action in a later scene. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just going to say it right now. During that interrogation scene – after he loses a finger, he's bleeding red blood, where as soon as the finger turned from human to scroll, it was bleeding the blue and purple blood. Oh, okay. So, it's so like, at a molecular level. At a molecular level, they are something else until they die, at which point their molecules shift back. That's interesting. Okay, cool. I, this The scroll science with Darcy. I love it. Um, <laughs> I thought it would just would be budget reasons, which it could be too. Like the fact that like they, they, you know, they're like, well, we, we can't afford everyone to be in makeup, so we're just going to do like a few people. I, I feel like that is the case, but it's also a reason to like, look, we paid for these actors. Yeah. Let's use these actors' faces. True, true. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, and then I, I did notice that uh, Pagan said our fearless leader isn't always right, which is interesting because – He's showing doubt in this guy that last episode he seemed so enamored by. And I wonder if, like, he's, he's you know, maybe he, maybe Gravik's not making the decisions that Pagan thinks are best. And I wonder if we're going to see a divide at some point in this show between this sect of Skrulls and Gravik. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's very possible. And I feel, I feel like uh, Pagan's, you know, apprehension or whatever is coming from the fact that, like, uh, Gravik even admitted that he didn't know Nick Fury was going to be there. Mm. Like he mentioned that alone, so he's just flying off the seat of his pants, and like he's just, I feel like he's throwing darts in the dark and just hoping something hits. So with the show, with this episode being called Promises, right? We've seen the promise at the beginning of the episode. We learn about the promise, uh, which we'll get to at the end of this episode. But maybe this is yet another another promise that's not being kept. Interesting. Okay, okay. Uh, Gaia continues. Let's. This is where it gets really spicy. Gaia continues her investigation into graphic science, uh, scientific explorations. Uh, and we see on a computer, like oldest ass computer, that's, I guess, because like they, that's what they would have had available to them in, in Russia. I don't know. Um, they, they recovered various pieces of DNA from various beings around the galaxy. Included on that list, we have Groot, a frost beast from Jotunheim, Cull Obsidian. And just before the camera cuts away to Gravik himself, we also see listed as a Terran extremis. Gravik then insults Gaia's father and proceeds to inform her that their man on the inside located Brogan. Uh, okay, we have to talk about these DNA elements, Darcy. Of course, we've seen in the trailer uh, by this point the, the Groot arm that Gravik has. So I think even back when those trailers came out, we were thinking Super Skrull stuff. But why do you think you know, call obsidian and can you explain extremis? Cause I don't know if maybe my, my MCU brain is just not working right now, but extremis for, for those who don't remember. That's from Iron Man three. It's, it was the yes. molecular coding thing that uh, aim invented uh, and was very fraught with this, uh, you know, 
it was very um, insu- unsuccessful in that uh, there's a high chance that you would explode upon Jeez. you know rewriting your DNA. But again, it was a DNA right uh, or sorry, molecular changing f- property or whatever that was developed on which Earth. which so we've just discussed. Scrolls Karen. maybe are better at handling than, exactly. than humans. Okay, yes. okay, yes, interesting. I mean, I've seen a ton of people, you know, um, mentioning the Fantastic. Four and their relationship with this storyline? Yes, because the Fantastic Four are the the first enemies of the Skrull Empire, and they are the ones who inspire uh, Emperor Doric to fund the research to create a Super Skrull, uh-huh. one who would imitate all four of the Fantastic Four's powers and fight against them, hoping to finally defeat them so they could conquer Earth. But he ended up getting buried underneath Earth, and they cut off communication with his satellite which was giving him his powers it was a very of its time story storyline yeah yeah he does come back eventually the what, super scroll what is gives a, him his powers the satellite and that's all they that's all they say stuff like that pretty um, much along those lines yeah, yeah. <laughs> um i mean stretchy groot arms okay so this makes sense like that's reed richards i guess extremis would be the fire like human torch human torch and yeah. then call obsidian i guess is big so that's the thing. The thing. Rocky, big rocky guy. But then nothing, maybe. nothing for like. There's the there. What else was there? There was the frost beast or whatever. So that's not, that's not invisibility. So like, no. I'm wondering if because in that previous scene, um, Dalton gets upset with Pagan or Pagan's like he keeps telling me there were things to harvest and they weren't there. Like I'm wondering if that is the maybe that's the Sue Storm. Uh, you know, element and maybe not even Sue Storm. Like it could even be, um, what's the name of the girl in Ant-Man two ghost ghost from Ant-Man two. Um, I'm wondering oh. if that, cause Groot isn't exactly Reed Richards. Right. So I'm no, wondering if ghost does... is like the closest thing. Again, I'm not sure if they're going 100% for this Fantastic Four team. It'd be right. cool if it was. Yeah. And I also love the idea that Ghost would be this one thing that they could ever catch because she's just phasing out of existence and just right the, the fastest getaway person ever because all she has to do is phase into the ground and you're good. That would be so, cool. I mean, that I love that idea. Interesting. Interesting. I, um, I might have a few more interesting theories about DNA, but we're going to save that to the very, very end of this discussion. So let's keep going here. We then join Sonya as she decides to personally take the torture, take over the torture uh, of the scroll Brogan, uh, who's taken the form of Martin Wallace. She delightfully, delightfully cuts off his finger uh, and we see it turn green. As you mentioned, the blood goes from red to purple. Uh, she continues to torture him by sticking Brogan with a needle and boiling his blood, Darcy. Like, this was awful. Kudos to this actor, because, man, he was selling that Holy pain. I thought he was actually being boiled from the inside out. Unbelievable. A terrifying thought. Unreal. Uh, she manages to extract the facts that Gravik is building a machine to make them stronger, and the science is led by a married couple with the last name, Dalton. Gravik and Pagan infiltrate the gang of Sonya's men and take them all out in a really violent action sequence like really violent um but alas they're too late and sonya's escaped uh unsatisfied with brogan's inability to keep their secrets uh they take brogan to a nearby forest and execute him uh this this whole section is crazy this action sequence was absolutely nuts what did you think about uh these two scrolls just taking out that entire gang 
again just highlights how scary of a threat these guys are they they are clearly trained warriors and know how to execute a plan and, and strike force yeah they, they gotta strike hard i mean it's uh yeah again just highlights the danger of these scrolls well that one guy getting he's hung on a meat hook and then they take out the guy the the one guy with the gunshot as soon as he uses the meat cleaver i thought that was really smart mm-hmm. um it was you know kind of like an indiana jones thing uh and then it, it i think it yeah it just shows like you're saying scrolls are so much more inherently powerful than men are and i get it like these are these are lowly russian gang members so like i don't think they were i don't think they were like part of sonya's actual um like wherever she's from like if she's mm-hmm. working with with mi6 or whatever um olivia coleman also so freaking outstanding and, and and this is just another scene that is just performed so excellently like we're we're you know seeing her keep that smile going while she's boiling this man's blood and then chopping off his finger i think is more terrifying than anything that the russian mobster could do in this you know in the scene before oh i mean again this is another scene that highlights the whole dolores umbridge of the mcu (laughs) because she is happy doing these horrible horrible things and just again bringing a lot of light to a rather dark subject matter type thing like here we are torturing someone but she's just oh i just need to know where the the escape hatch is just just a hunch (laughs) it's so good and um and i love the idea that she might have hired those guys uh just to buy time like she knew she knew someone would show up and uh try to take her out or take take out uh drogan or or whatever um but then it's just enough time for her to escape like she's so devious it makes me wonder if if she's a scroll Right, maybe not well, a good one. Maybe someone who's trying to become the leader over Gravik. And that's the thing I don't know because the fact that they we, like the way the episode works is that we're told that the man on the inside has found Brogan right after Olivia Coleman Brogan, takes over yeah. the torture. Mm. So it's almost like they're implying that she found out where they are, let Gravik know, and then was getting all the information she could because again, Gravik isn't sharing all the information, and then now she's dipping so that she can mm. again be on Gravik's side, but also be trying to find the things to, to overthrow him. I mean, I think last week I was even speculating that even Nick Fury could be a Skrull, but I almost like this idea more of, of, of you know, especially if we are going to get into Super Skrulls at some point, having a Skrull alternative for every character, Sonya is Nick Fury on the Skrull side. I think that works mm-hmm. perfectly. And and here we see him at his weakest, and maybe this is her at her most powerful. She is five steps ahead, and he's five steps behind. Really cool. Really interesting. Again, to have a series that does, for the most part, focus solely... You know, I think Nick Fury is the main character of Secret Invasion. And so to have this... this yes, Gravik is the antagonist, but maybe there's a secret, secret antagonist. A greater threat than, than Gravik. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Very cool. Okay, that could be really interesting. Um, in London, Colonel Rhodes is being questioned at an emergency security summit over the attack in Moscow and America's alleged involvement. While leaving, uh, uh, while leaving he receives a call from Nick Fury and the two meet at Berners Tavern. Uh, during a heated discussion, Rhodes expresses how he's all that Fury has now defending him from the Russians. It's also made clear that Rhodes already knew about the Skrulls coming to Earth, but this is when Fury informs him that an invasion is real and is happening. Rhodes suggests that they call their friends, but Nick says they'd only be duplicated and then framed as terrorists. Nick asks for Rhodey's support, 
And not only does he deny him, he fires his ass. Darcy, how does, first off, how does Rhodey even have the ability to fire Nick Fury? Uh, and, and why do you think he's pushing him away? Well, I feel like Nick, uh, I mean, Rhodey has been filling in a lot of Nick Fury's duties as he's been off planet. Oh, interesting. Who else has had spent so much time with a bunch of the supers? He is, he is a super himself. Right. So he's clearly got high levels of clearance considering he's working with the government and also was an Avenger. So mm. makes sense to me. I mean, what I thought was cool, I, and I got to shout out Straw Hat Goofy or Juju Green over on TikTok because he brought this this idea that maybe Rhodey is a Skrull because he is so interested in trying to call the Avengers back together, which is exactly what you want Skrulls would want if they're trying to harvest this DNA. Okay. Have all, oh. All the Avengers ready to be taken, and that's exactly what Nick Fury says to defend not calling them. So it's almost like. What if this is the case? Because as soon as that happens, we see Rhodey switch and start flipping on Nick Fury and saying, I'm going to fire your ass. That's why I'm here. Interesting. So it's just, the fact that that is a possibility, and I, I, I would love it to be the case. Again, shout out to Straw Hat Goofy over on TikTok. He has some awesome theories about a lot of pop culture stuff. Straw Hat Goofy, if you're listening, come on the podcast. Let's talk about this. But um, I did want to mention, uh, I mean, I've talked to him on his one of his lives before. You never know. Um, but um, <laughs> I, 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 I think, I like that uh, Darcy and Straw Hat Goofy, but only only if it's the roads that like we 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 haven't seen. Like I don't want it to be the roads that was in uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. I don't want no. it to be the roads that was saying goodbye to his friend uh, Tony Stark dying. You know what I mean? Like it needs to be I, a. More I'm almost recent. thinking it's roads after that defense panel. Okay. Because on route to meeting up with Nick Fury, if the Skrulls knew he was going to totally. be there, they'd just nab him and take his place. And, and one of them, That's all I'm one thinking. of them was at that panel, right? Exactly. Like the, They're like, "Oh, okay. Rhodey's here. We have a new, we have an in. We can get Nick Fury again." Type thing. Something along those lines. Interesting. What if it, oh, dude? Okay, yo. So what if it was the call, the phone call, right? And it was Gravik as Nick Fury, right? And then he brings him to the tavern. They switch out, and then that's yo. Okay, I think now in my head canon, that's exactly what happened. Um, <laughs> that's incredible. Okay, um, da, 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 where are we here? Oh, I, I I had a few more things I wanted to say. Um, Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. I'm just that I'm blown away by our our collective theory making here. Um, such an incredible conversation that I think we should have had more time with these characters before now. Uh, and these performances are exactly why they're so so well done. And I I think if if uh, the theory we just came up with isn't correct, and it is James Rhodes, it also would make sense that he is super frustrated because this is his friend, right? That that's pushing so hard against the U.S. government. And Rhodey is very much a a, a person on the inside. He's 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 a government man. And oh, yeah. so I think it might be bringing up a lot of anxiety felt by him back in Civil War, right? Where, you know, that, that you know, all of his friends were sort of going against the, the, the United States. Um, and he's always sort of been on, that, on, on this side. Mm -hmm. And I think that line hits even harder the more I think about it when Nick says, uh, I'm Nick Fury, even when I'm out, I'm in, in the sense that Nick does his best work when he's on the outside of the government or even outside of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm -hmm. um, he might not have the same resources, but he does have the ability to take risks that James or President Ritson and other officials might never allow. Mm -hmm. Again, this, this it was an incredible scene between the two of them, and we got a lot of cool, like, again, I feel like we're seeing Nick 
on his way to the bottom, basically, because he's the, the, his body confidence is gone. Every time it flipped back to him, he was almost changing positions in his chair. He couldn't get comfortable because, again, he's he doesn't know what's happening. He, nothing is in his control anymore. He just lost one of his best friends. Now his other best friend is, you know, or one of his other good friends is now telling him, I'm going to fire you because you aren't listening to us. Like, everything in his life is going down the shitter. And I feel like it's, again, it's setting up a Nick Fury that we've never seen before, but also a Nick Fury that will rise to greater heights once he gets out of this crap. Interesting. Um, now, I, I am still going off the theory that we collectively just thought of. Um, I did see uh, uh, Eric Voss at New Rockstars, uh, I think tweeted something, or I was reading something about, he was talking about the glasses that Nick is wearing in both the scene with Talos and the scene with James, uh, both being the the infrared glasses from the previous episode. Uh, mm-hmm. And so an interesting thing is they could do like a reveal where they show like, oh, he knew in that moment that he was talking to a scroll. A scroll. James. Whoa. Okay. It just it just it just all works. Okay. I won't be disappointed if it's the other way around, but whatever. I mean, also, before we move on to anything else, I just got to say, why were they trying to get Nick Fury's DNA? Because he said, just think you're firing me. I'm going to relinquish my DNA. Like, oh, yeah, he says that Does he... to Rhodey. Okay. After the guy was trying to grab him and take him away. Like, why Like, are these scrolls? Is that Gardas scroll? Like, because when Nick Fury first says, like, how will you know your, your team? And it's like, well, take a bullet for me. And it's like, but would they? What if they're just a scroll and they're just here to get DNA samples? Oh, or man. Like, what if that's Pagan? And he finally he was trying to get one of his harvests and it didn't work out. Like, Interesting. Interesting. I'm so confused by that line that they need to they need to elaborate on that. Uh, they might. I think they might. Um, OK, let's let's get to the final sequence here. Lastly. Sorry. No, it's OK. <laughs> I love it. Uh, we see Nick Fury recover a vehicle from a storage locker uh, and make his way to a house that we've never seen before. At least I don't think we've ever seen before. Uh, and he pulls up to the driveway and we see a scroll woman. She's chopping up some cucumbers in the kitchen. And once Fury enters the house, uh, we see that she's now taken a human form uh, and asks Nick uh, saying, aren't you forgetting something referring to a wedding ring that he recovers from a nearby side table. Uh, He puts it on and the two embrace with a kiss. Uh, Okay. So yet again, a pretty shocking reveal for a character that we thought we knew. So many questions arise like who is she and how does she play into Fury's disappearance? Uh, all these years and is she the reason that nick fury wanted to get a house in europe because he was driving on the left-hand side of the road to that place so oh. he's still in europe somewhere okay good to, i didn't even notice that yeah so maybe he's in london well, it's only on my second watch that i picked that up i'm like oh no he's he hasn't left the continent he is still over there and like he said he's just he's going to the one place where he can really recollect all his thoughts together and bring it back where he's safe interesting and again i will say after the first time i watched it i thought that maybe this he doesn't know his his wife is a scroll, mm-hmm. but on the second watch through, it's pretty pretty clear that she is the one who introduces Gravik to him. She's she's Vara, uh, yeah, she's Vara. Okay, uh, at the beginning of the episode, so I will take back that theory at least, and just again hope that uh, you know this Europe home retreat will help get Nick Fury back on the right road. <laughs> well, and I think it would it would make sense that she's more of a more of a central character that we're introduced to in the second episode of only six episodes, right? Because mm-hmm. I think. With her being the one that introduced Nick, you know, to this this kid, this this boy, um, she's probably concerned for the or will be concerned for the well being of you know of of Gravik and also 
she might feel, you know, uh, a little upset that this is where it's come to. Like he's now become this massive threat to humanity and to her husband. Um, and so maybe we'll see how that weighs on her. Um, or if she's even aware of all this, right? Like, I think again, um, you know, what if, what if, what if Nick is hiding, uh, not just hiding, you know, his wife from the world, but what if he's hiding his world from her, right? Like maybe, maybe that was part, uh, you know, what kept him back from coming back, right? Is that he didn't want her to get hurt from another threat that he couldn't prevent, like when he was dusted. I mean, you'd think that he'd bring her with him. I mean... Because he couldn't have control over anything, I don't think him being there would be any different. But I'm wondering if not being no, there. I'm wondering if like, like again, I'm trying to figure out when they might have actually hooked up. Like maybe they hooked up on Saber, right? Because we saw a bunch of scrolls with him at the end of No Way Home. So like thirty years have passed since their first meeting, so I'm sure a lot of stuff could have happened. Right, they banged. <laughs> um, the credits have her listed as Priscilla Fury. Um, so I guess that's like her her human name. Um, I mean, or or she's working with Gravik and is just the inside woman to Fury now. I mean, oh jeez, Darcy, don't even another theory that's popped in my head. I was literally this just show to... is rife with theories. Darcy, I was literally just about to say how delightful it was that this episode just ended with a hug and not something nefarious. And now you're putting these thoughts into my brain, Darcy, that she's evil. Um, I don't want it to be true. No, I, I want Nick Fury to have a safe place. Well, and I think it, I think it would be really I think it would be really interesting if if that was the case. If 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 she's not only a secret from the world, but that, but his world is a secret from her. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, in the first episode, he talks about everyone gets two lies or something. So maybe this was his first, his first lie is, is, you know, to his wife. I don't know. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I mean, he did mention that he had a wife in winter soldier. Yeah. I mean, it also leads to, it also explains why he was so cool with sending, uh, but, uh, Clint up with his own farm or the family and everything like that. Oh, right. Because so he would have had experience in doing that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, well, listen, before we get to our final thoughts, uh, I just, this was such a great conversation so far. So many good theories bubbling up. Like, like the, so all the show gives us is theories after theories. Theories just bubbling like the boiling skin of Brogan. Um, so, geez. Uh, let's get to our, our, before we get to our final thoughts and score, I want to get to our scroll secrets um so darcy i want you to start off i want to i want to specifically center these scroll secrets around the idea of what other dna you know if 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 gaia kept scrolling on that list would we have seen other dna what other dna could they possibly be harvesting other than trying to emulate the fantastic four i mean you gotta think it's it's clearly like not suit-based heroes. So Ant-Man's off the list. They're not going to try to get Scott Lang's DNA. It's not in his system. Right. Uh, maybe Spider-Man. Okay. If he's swinging around in the streets of New York and no one knows who he is. I mean, Miles Miles has invisibility, doesn't he? He does, but Miles know, doesn't have powers in this universe. Doesn't I think exist we're in this universe yet, right. Yeah, yeah he, hasn't made, he hasn't crossed through this, this, this multiverse yet, yet, so... Not yet. After Beyond the Spider-Verse, I think he will, but... Um, <laughs> I mean, listen, there's a scene in... We talked about the, the Groot arm in one of the trailers. There's another moment in a trailer that shows a ton of graphics... Graphics. A ton of graphics in an office, which maybe... Uh, and I had to search his real name. I didn't actually know. James Madrox? Multiple Man? Multiple Man? I don't think so. No, it's probably just... It's probably just Anyone a bunch of scrolls transformed. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just... That's... A, 
don't read don't read too much into it because <laughs> multiple man isn't is great he's a mutant and everything i'd love to see it but probably not that would be a terrible way of bringing him into the thing. Like, oh he's just a bunch of scrolls no that's not no <laughs> um and then i think listen there's I, I have one that is maybe a little more realistic which is think about another series on disney plus that the central plot point was about dna extraction she hulk, she -Hulk. Right? I just thought, as, as you were halfway through that sentence, I'm like, oh, he's going to say She-Hulk. She-Hulk, she right? And we know, listen, I know the events of that show and the ending are hazy canonically because of the whole Kevin bod and breaking the fourth wall and rewriting the ending and all that stuff. But I still think canonically there could be some Hulk DNA out there. And my, my secret theory, and this is just me writing what I think I'll see in the future of this show, is I think we'll see Pagan as a Skrull Hulk who takes on the DNA as a method to show his dedication to Gravik. But then, like, maybe it becomes too much for him and he dies because of it or something like that. Like, I think we're going to see Pagan go through these, like, sort of back and forths of, do I, do I trust this guy? Do I love this guy? Will I die for this guy? And I think at the end of this series, before the end of this series, I think he will die for this guy. And I think it could be as a Hulk. I don't know. I don't know. That'd be interesting to see. Again, I feel like they're trying to build up so that, Gravic would be the super scroll and also i feel like this whole fascination on getting these these superpowers is coming from an inspiration like the emperor that's that's my scroll mm. seekers i think the emperor has a hand in Gravic's plans i've already said that throughout the episode droges uh, Dro i think droges true power is in the fact that he can you know sway scrolls to his sides if they want to fight for a cause and he wants to dominate everything so interesting i feel like getting Gravic over there would be pretty easy you know conversation mm. Maybe Droges is Sonya. Um, all right. <laughs> let's get to our, before we have any more theories that we just throw out and tend to hope one sticks, let's get to our final impressions of this episode and our final score, which we're going to be rating on a scale of one to five green ring fingers. Darcy, go Why ahead. Ring fingers. Well, you know, ring finger, he puts the ring on and then one of the green. I don't know. <laughs> but the one that gets chopped off is the index finger. I was I talking about the one that's a little bit nicer. Okay. Okay, fine. We'll go. With, we'll go with the, the ring finger, <laughs> even though that wasn't the one that got cut off. <laughs> um, I mean, again, I feel like these first two episodes are an incredible start to what I, so far is one of Marvel's best attempts at a new genre in this series. Mm. So I'm loving it. I feel like it was. This is again a very good, almost act one closure to that first act that we got that was chaos and, and crazy with the ending with the death of Maria Hill. This one ending with again Nick at the bottom of his. The, the life he guys got fired his friends are all turning on him the one place he can turn to is his wife and now he can you know again get his mind back on track and then move forward and, and win the battle I love that. so I, I love i love this these two episodes this is again i want the only thing i want more of would be more sonia because again i love how terrifying she is mm -hmm. and i want to see her and do more torture, I guess, is what I'm saying. <laughs> she could torture a bunch of people, and I'd probably watch every second oh of it. Oh, my gosh. It's so delightful, <laughs> which is a terrible thing to say. But I'll be giving this episode, again, because of how it's following up that first one and really giving a nice closure to this first act, I hope, and continues going up from here. But uh, this would be a five out of five green ring fingers. Wow. Wow. All yeah. five of them. All five ring All five fingers. of them. Yeah. No, no, no fingers got chopped off. <laughs> wow. Amazing. Um. Yeah, the first episode of this series last week, I was very intrigued, and I, I, and even though this episode ends with a, a lovelier shocking reveal, uh, and not like a heart ripping death, I will say, 
I think this episode was much better, I, I, especially when it comes to performances. I think there were there were four outstanding MCU interaction sequences of of you know Fury and Talos on the train, Gravik at the council meeting, Sonya's interrogation scene, and Fury and Rhodes. I, just incredible acting all around, and to get so many moments like that back to back just really shows. Um, you know, I think for me, it's that's that's the Marvel I love because it shows it shows just how they can take these dramatic moments and give us dialogue that's really smart, really well written and makes us think and gets us talking about things, which, again, as we were saying earlier, that's what these comics originally were always meant to do. And the fact that they can pull that off in some of these heavier moments. And, and I think the you know, I don't think all marvel needs to strive to be this like you're saying this is a specific genre and it's okay if we get some you know goofier funnier you know taika waititi i'm okay with that stuff you know what i mean mm -hmm. like I'm, I'm fine with that um but i think when it comes down to the drama and it comes down to the dialogue in these heavier moments i do hope that the broader and the mcu can can emulate the quality that we're getting out of this episode and hopefully this series again just phenomenal performances great action sequences uh and and all with an ending that i think you know shocks while revealing more about a character we know little about and then also giving us a warm fuzzy feeling you know it didn't it didn't end in something terrifying even though darcy are like oh she's definitely an evil scroll she's working with gravic she's gonna don't kill trust nick anyone. in his sleep don't trust anyone that's what this whole show's about <laughs> is you can't trust anyone well you can trust us to continue giving a giving you some amazing theories uh week to week but i'm gonna give this episode that's just a plug for next week for some reason i'm gonna <laughs> give this episode uh, a very solid no shape shifting here a very solid 4.5 green ring fingers just half a finger is uh, is chopped off not too bad this one's bent just bent one's bent fingers. down yeah uh all right well that is it for this week's episode of watch club for marvel's secret invasion we hope you enjoyed it and if you did make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts if you haven't already and if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or your predictions on the shows we cover in watch club well let me just uh let me just learn that darcy is secretly married to a scroll so he can let you know how you can reach us that's one of the weirdest throws you've ever <laughs> set up, mate. I'm sorry. I don't I don't get that. My brain is fried from all these theories, though, so I'm just going to lay it straight. They can reach us at wearegeekcentral at gmail. Uh, wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or they can reach us on Twitter at geekcentricyt or on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. You can also find us on TikTok at wearegeekcentric as well. So, you know, if you're if you're a, a younger scroll. And you want to do that? Uh, you can check that out. Although I think I think the younger scrolls are all into reels now on Instagram. Like it keeps going back and forth. I don't know what is cool anymore. Okay, um, I need to study my humans a little more. Um, but uh, but you can also join our Discord as well. Join us. Um, join our scroll Discord. Uh, <laughs> join us there. Like a compound. Yeah, I don't think they they don't say join us. They want to kill everybody. <laughs> they, they, like... Listen, we'll harvest your DNA. Join us. Um, but uh, keep in mind, we have a ton of other episodes covering the latest and greatest, you know, movies and shows out now, including our recent spoiler-free reviews for Netflix's Nimona, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, The Flash, Wes Anderson's Asteroid City, Elemental, Transformers: Rise of the Beasts, 
and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which we also have a spoiler-filled discussion out for that movie as well. Uh, plus, we have some great interviews out now, like our most recent interview with Peter Sohn, the director of Disney and Pixar's Elemental, uh, where Justin got to sit down with him to discuss how he brought his authentic life lessons to the film. We also have our interview uh, with uh, some of the cast from Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Uh, and we have an interview out now with Kingsley Benadir, Gravik himself, and Ali Salim, the director of this very episode and all these episodes in this series. Uh, so you can check those out here on your podcast service of choice or over on YouTube at youtube.com slash geekcentric. And we've also got some more interviews coming up, um, some a little further into the future uh, that I've done that I'm stoked for everyone to see, and also some that are a little closer to the present but not quite today, <laughs> which which are, are from are with the listen, Darcy, relax. With My the, brain's already hurting, <laughs> man. With the cast, director, and creator of Nimona coming real soon. Uh, you might already see some on our socials by the time you're listening to this. I don't know, but uh, Darcy, thank you so much for joining me for this Watch Club. And as we say. And no, we didn't get, we didn't figure out a better thing, so we're just going to say it again. I don't, I couldn't think of anything. I completely forgot. Oh, no. Scroll, Scroll you later. later. I don't, <laughs> it's so I, dumb. Oh, it's so, so dumb. dumb.